Now hear the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us, then, what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this, and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Will y'all please pray with me? May the words that dwell before us sink into the hearts of all who hear and speak your truth, O God. Amen. What's the problem with empire? There are common and obvious examples of empire, right? Like Coca-Cola spreading all over the world to create a worldwide monopoly on soda. Or there's a more vicious political empire responsible for bombing of innocent people, or war, or famine, and oppression. But there's also an insidious thing that empire does that goes deep into our souls and our bodies, and that's what troubles me most as a follower of Jesus. You see, empire infests our imagination and changes our desires. It causes us to notice some people, but not notice others. And that, to me, feels raw and real and personal. This takes me to the work of Lasana Harris and Susan Fisk, two researchers who studied how the prefrontal cortex works. They discovered that when you look at an image of an actual face, the nerves in your prefrontal cortex are stimulated and essentially light up. However, when looking at an image of an object with a face drawn on it, let's say a ball with, an eye, with eyes and a mouth, there's no prefrontal cortex response. So these researchers did a study at Princeton using 20 different students. Now, these students, they represented a diverse range of gender and ethnic identities, as well as socioeconomic backgrounds. So the study's participants were shown images meant to trigger the prefrontal cortex response. And unanimously, when shown pictures of homeless faces, 
what a stereotypical face of someone experiencing homelessness might look like, none of their prefrontal cortexes lit up. Though images of humans, their instinctive response was lacking the ability to recognize humanity. The hypothesis of the study was this. In order to recognize someone's humanity, you have to determine that they have competence, value, and warmth. If you think they're cold and worthless, you're going to instinctively not see their humanity. So let's turn for a minute to our gospel today. In the Gospel of Matthew, leading up to this point, Jesus has been challenging the powers of the temple. He's been calling out corruption and abuse of authority, and he's been claiming God's full authority as he's done so. In today's Gospel, two powerful groups, the Pharisees and the Herodians, they come together. The Pharisees are a group of religious men who strictly observe religious rules. And the Herodians are minions of the local political power, King Herod. Now, Herod was the governor appointed by Rome to rule over the region. These religious leaders and political leaders have aligned to challenge Jesus on a matter that is both political and religious. They've aligned to represent the empire. At first, the Herodians and the Pharisees compliment Jesus on being sincere and truthful, which to me feels almost mockingly insincere on their part. Then they ask this, as if to trap Jesus. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor Caesar or not? You see, if Jesus says, yes, everyone must pay taxes, He risks the anger of the people who hated this unpopular tax and were often treated unfairly by it. He could be perceived as siding with the Roman government, justifying Roman occupation and the oppression of the Jews. He could be viewed as siding with Caesar, who was at best a tyrant. But on the other hand, if Jesus answers no, He could be suspected of promoting a revolution against Rome and Caesar's government. And he could be in trouble, legitimate, life-threatening trouble for doing so. But Jesus is having none of this. He doesn't say yes, and he doesn't say no. Instead, he calls the Herodians and the Pharisees hypocrites and demands to know why they are testing him. Then he asks for a teaching tool. A coin. He asks them to identify whose image is on it. And of course, it's Caesar, the Roman emperor, the leader of the strongest and most powerful empire in the world at that time. Fine, Jesus says. Give the coin to the person whose image is on it. Which brings me back to the question, what's the problem with empire? I think what they've asked of Jesus is a value statement about our worth to the empire. But Jesus' response is about our worth in the kingdom. 
I think the comfortable interpretation of this text tells us that it's okay to live in the tension of these two kingdoms, to give what belongs to Caesar to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. But we have become comfortable and complacent with the duality of that message. This kind of empire or society is what teaches us that some people whose contribution is different than our own are useless and lacking in warmth. The permission of this empire allows us instinctively, if even at this biochemistry brain level, not to assign full humanity to some. And that's a problem. This is what the worldly empire does. It tells us that if we want to be successful, we have to earn it, that our belovedness is not inherent. We live in a world that tells us that effectiveness is more important than kindness, that contribution measured through taxation is more important than community. The empire has a propensity for dismissing the fullness of God's people. So again, what the empire is asking Jesus is a value statement about worth. But this also remains true. Christ redefined empire. So then we look at Jesus who comes out of the wilderness and the first thing he says is the kingdom of God is here. And in doing so, Christ reclaims the empire. And he starts by noticing people who have been left out. He blesses those who mourn. He blesses those who are poor in spirit. He blesses the hungry. He blesses those who thirst for righteousness and seek peace. See, that's what the kingdom of God does. That's what God's empire does. We start recognizing the people that we've been conditioned and hardwired not to recognize. Jesus doesn't leave us sitting in this split empire, but invites us into a new united kingdom. Because if what is Caesar's bears Caesar's image, the parallel is to remember that what is God's bears God's image. And that is the kingdom of God. Now remember back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says, So God created humankind in God's image. In the image of God, God created them. This is a major theme throughout Scripture, from Deuteronomy to Hebrews to Exodus to 1 Corinthians. To God belongs heaven and earth and all that is in it. All things belong to God and were created by God's power. This is true for you and for your neighbor. You were created in God's image. So give to God what belongs to God. While the Pharisees and Herodians made every good effort to trap Jesus with a trick question, Jesus really is asking all of us, Pharisees, Herodians, Americans, third graders, Republicans, Democrats, senior citizens, men, women, all of us, Jesus is asking, in what image are you made? Whose image do you bear 
Under what image have you been cast, and what image do you hold of your neighbor? The image you bear is none other than the image of God. You have been created in the image of the one who made the heavens and the earth, and there is value in that. In baptism, you were marked with the cross of Christ and sealed by the Spirit. That water washed over you with infinite forgiveness. And in that sealing, your allegiance has been intimately connected to the one who made you and to whom we owe our lives. Not to the empire that assigns conditional worth. Let me say this again because I think it bears repeating. This is specifically for you, but it is not exclusively for you either. This is a message of hope for your neighbor as well. For your homeless neighbor, for your political opposed neighbor, for your hard to love neighbor. And as God's people, we don't live in a split empire. Do not be deceived. We live in the restored kingdom of heaven. And it's living in God's kingdom that allows us to embrace our inherent belovedness instead of striving to earn the merit of the world. When we live in God's empire, then and only then can not only our brains but our hearts light up to the fullness of God's humanity. Amen.